Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. snacks to book club because otherwise i would probably be falling asleep <laughs> it, it really does like i think enhance the experience of being able to really eat something and also come here with the little drinks that's always fun we got our mimosas uh you know it's I, always exciting I, yeah and i i do feel like sometimes if i'm not doing anything and just sitting i will start to nod off so mm, okay yeah when i when i heard as much as as much as it was exciting when I is it was for me when I did hear that we were doing a book club and we're mm-hmm. going to be doing it at night here at the UCM I was a little worried. Yeah, I know. Well, because you've been to a book club before, I've never been to a book club, so I have like a thought in my head of what it's like, which is people just talking about everything that happens in the book. But I feel like in many cases that's not exactly what happens. Right. I mean, but I've. I feel like we have been to book club in that we have been in uh, art history classes together. Yeah, or j- that's just, true. just art theory classes together, which, which means yeah. you all read a borderline incomprehensible text and then you all come in and talk about it and you try to relate it to something that you actually do have a grasp <laughs> on. Yeah. To because you don't want to only talk about the reading because you're it's it's such a loose presence in mm-hmm. your mind. I will never forget snapping in one of those situations and just outright admitting when we had to read how foster that I had no idea what was going on <laughs> and was just so mad about it. And I and I'm someone that really wants to challenge myself with reading and theory and like read older yeah. texts and I try my best to understand them and I and I usually do but Jesus Christ that man cannot write I'm sorry it's all <laughs> it is purposely complicated and I told that to our professor and I think because we had to do online cl- classes was the only reason I could kind of get away with that but I was just mm-hmm. like I don't know I, I'm reading like you know I I, I think that was yeah you because know, I was reading Claire Bishop I'm reading Hito Sterl I'm like these actually make sense I don't know why he has to write complicated they're not that 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 old i guess mm-hmm. i mean he's kind of old mm-hmm. but uh yeah that, so that was kind I, of I like think, a book club yeah right? i know. i think the most times i've ever had to reread a sentence in, in an assigned reading was maybe gershom sholem in mm. my uh uh jewish mysticism class yeah that i and it's like that 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 was to me something outside of an an art uh an art class that felt like comparable in terms of this is something that's really going to challenge you. You're not just going to read one sentence and get it and you have yeah. an explanation for it. Right. And and to some extent it's it's I don't know. I I can appreciate that sometimes. Sure. Like 
something that I have to return to and it uh, multiple times and maybe I get something different out of it each time. It's really the question about a lot of media is how much should a work ask of you uh, when you want to consume it? Hmm. Because I feel like I've been in a lot of classes where people advocate really hard for like especially now when we're when we're kind of sick of a lot of people that only know theory and only know um you know uh just very very conceptual ideas for art and everything um and and you know some of those people are legitimately pretentious yeah um there's people that I've observed that are like, no, just things that are easy to consume should be the way that we do everything. And actually all of these awful TV shows that are super popular are good because so many people love them. And then I have to kind of like, and I don't do it in class usually because it doesn't feel like the place doesn't feel like, you know, I can, I can read the room. I sure like, I, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings on that. I could make that argument either way, advocate for either of those things. Like if something is popular and eat and easily, uh, resonates with a lot of people, you know, arguably that could be a, a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if something, you know, takes, takes a little bit more from you, uh and then you can possibly get a little bit more in return uh i don't know that's that that's that's a case to be made all i know is one of the book clubs i went to there was this guy explaining rick and morty really loudly and i made the decision in that moment that as much as i really love rick and morty i never want to be the guy at a party talking about rick and morty really loudly that's yeah yeah that's a good thing i think to set up for yourself (laughs) not to do because i i feel like i could accidentally end up in that and regret it as soon as i went home like being like why did i why why did i have to over explain (laughs) this this was such a waste of time (laughs) oh my gosh yeah i mean that that was i mean that was at a book club and Maybe if I had had one more glass of wine, I would have joined in. Yeah, you would have started rapping Rick and Morty. (laughs) (laughs) Head bent over. Um, I I, I don't know. But yeah, I've I've had my share of book clubs. It's been hard for me to ever find one that either fits my schedule or the people resonate with me enough to kind of keep going. Because I, I do feel like I miss the the not the pressure but the expectation of school that mm-hmm. all of these people show up in this room we all kind of have to be there and we all kind of have to talk about something yeah that's fair um it is it is quite nice if you get the right you need the right situation and you need the right people and i was very thankful when we had grad school together that we did have a a group of people that could talk civilly and were very 
you know, it was very interesting conversations that never felt like something where I was on edge to say something and just be mm-hmm. like, I mean, sometimes, yes, that happened. and It was awful. But, you mm-hmm. know, that it was like you, you could have those really good conversations. But I've never been in a situation where I could find a book club that was going to be like that. It was also mm-hmm. going to curate to my very specific books that I read because I have kind of boundaries for myself um that i've been setting up but i'm hoping that you know here at the uncanny county museum we can set up a book club of sorts between us and you know our participants here joining us in this book club that we can really i think dive into some literature and more contemporary works over the course of Mm -hmm. however many we want to run i mean this is the first one so i guess we'll see how it goes yeah uh i mean i'm really glad that we have this opportunity to Mm. To, to to inject a little bit yeah. of that and also the book club seems like a nice it's a nice lifestyle choice I yeah think, for, for sure for the uc for the ucm lifestyle uh mm. for those that subscribe to that uh <laughs> like you know i <laughs> uh like the other day at work i uh was you know living my life where i am covered in clay at work and then i walk out and who should I see? But Martha Stewart was touring what? my studio. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> it was very random, but apparently she's friends with my boss. Um, and I'm bad with faces. So I kind of knew who I knew the face. And then I was like, why do I know that face? Um, and <laughs> But I was prepared to just kind of write it off as someone that he was just showing around. Sure. And then I went back to my workstation, but I left my headphones out because I like he had been showing her around and I just was completely oblivious because I was I was working and I was listening to music. And then I just come out covered in a slip and dust. And there she is. So I go back to my workstation and uh, he refers to her as Martha. Hmm. And. And immediately you think, why did you say that name? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) My mother's Um, name is Martha, too. Oh, my God. Wait, Superman's mom was Martha Stewart? Mm, New canon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyways, uh, yeah. And so then I suddenly put it together. Oh, that's Martha Stewart. And uh, she's walking around and stuff, and he's showing her the processes that we all have, you know, how every how all the stuff is hand done and all of the work that we make. And um, she's like, wow, you know, I just I really love pottery. I did it once with um, with that actor. You know, he was young, but now he's old. You know, uh-huh. you know, the actor, the yeah. one that was that old was young, just... but 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 yeah. now but now he's now he's old. Right. Right. Of course. And I, I don't follow Martha Stewart's exploits that much. For sure, yeah. Uh, and I think I also came of age in an era where you know it was more of a she was more of a punchline. I think. Yes, yeah, same. You know, s- still, still very powerful. Um, and so she takes out her phone, asks for the Wi-Fi. Um, because not even Martha Stewart <laughs> gets service after. <laughs> oh and, my gosh. And she reads it out loud as she Googles herself and she's like, Martha Stewart Pottery. And then searches it. Wow. And she's like, 
Jeff Bridges. Oh yeah, just casually. I did pottery with Jeff Bridges. Oh my god, that's <laughs> wow. What what does it take to be famous enough to have to Google yourself to remember people you've interacted with? That is a whole new level of. Uh... I guess. I guess it's. I guess you have to get to at the very least uh, Martha level. Um, yeah, but. I, I told Allison about that, and she just wants to use my new familiarity because I did say "nice to meet you," even though she did not ask my name. And why would she? <laughs> right. Um, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, she said she also said "nice to meet you." Mm-hmm. But uh, based off of this, we're wondering how we could uh, figure out how to meet Snoop Dogg out of. This. Oh, that's the move. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. This is, I mean, yeah. you're you're definitely further than anyone else right now. Could we invite so. her to book club? I think we could. What else she got going on? So I think we could figure it out. Yeah, not 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 running a a media empire. Right. Well, yeah. Besides that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, now now that I have technically met Martha Stewart, how many people am I now one degree removed from? <laughs> apparently jeff bridges and yeah that's two so there you go that's some heavy hitters oh my yeah. gosh yeah <laughs> oh gosh i guess we'll have to see i mean i feel like i feel like martha stewart would probably like the book well maybe i don't know if she'd understand it to be honest but i guess i'm being presumptuous but i think she would like the book that we're talking about today i feel like many mm-hmm. people would honestly because i think you might agree with me that it's a pretty easy to read engaging novel or it novella. is very yeah, for for the 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 concepts that will stay with you, it is a very digestible book. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I guess without you know further introduction, um, and also mm-hmm. just in in quoting, that is an incredibly bizarre story, Zan. And I <laughs> I really hope you get to have a reunion with Martha Stewart at some point because I feel like now that your boss is friends with her, that means there's probably going to be another appearance at some point. Yeah. Well, if we got her on the Uncanny County Museum, would would we want her to do cooking? Mm. I mean, that could I be mean, kind of fun. That could be interesting. Yeah. 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 It would it would be an insanely weird crossover, I think, of our audience. <laughs> yeah. Maybe <laughs> it might be pretty weird. I mean, we've had, I don't know we've had a lot we've covered a lot of topics, so I think we could yeah we could fit well, it yeah, in no. for sure. A bunch of a bunch of moms that like Ray Dunn are gonna be like, why are these two boys? What why why do they talk about the animated Titanic movies and <laughs> <laughs> strange history and also cryptids? But now Martha Stewart's shown up. Hmm, curious. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. No. Imagine a bunch of moms having to listen to the Skunk Ape uh, exhibition. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean. Maybe mm-hmm. could be fun. It's definitely worth a listen. But um, but Martha it... Stewart here making blue-eyed thump thump blueberry <laughs> muffins. <laughs> oh my gosh, a lot of a lot of UCM themed uh bake baking goods. I think, I think we could this. do that very easy. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, next time, next book club for sure, we're gonna have to have those here because it's a little late now. Um, mm-hmm. but I guess getting into it so that yes. way we can start moving. You know, get, get this book club moving wrong. I mean, this is like the preamble, like any book club. We uh, we really got to stick to the patterns. Oh yeah, here. you you know how it is. I mean, it's a, a, a book club. Everybody stands up, introduces themselves, yeah. says why they're there. Exactly, exactly. That's a, it's a preamble. Yeah. It takes a bit of time. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yes, I I, I mean, it, it's not quite like Alcoholics Anonymous <laughs> because they're 
is wine, usually. Right, yeah. It's kind of like an... Yeah, there has to be something to keep us here. Otherwise, like Zan said, we'd probably fall asleep. Yeah. And I can only keep the passion for so long talking about certain yeah, things. Not, not to tangent one more time, but one time I was having a picnic with some other art students and uh, this, uh, you know, this this kind of alternative looking girl walks up. She's, you know, she's got like dyed hair and stuff, skinny uh -huh. jeans, and, you know, seems very shy. And we're like, hey, what's up? She's like, hi, is is this AA? And we're like, ooh, sorry. Because we are all very much drinking. Oh. <laughs> ooh, that's, yeah. But that would be a nice place to meet for AA. Could be if fun. You know, obviously yeah. we're supportive. Yeah, it could be fun. Could be a nice change yes. of pace. Nice change of scenery. So this is so this is not AA. This is book club. This is book club. Yes. And today at the UCM book club, we're going to be talking about, discussing, reviewing, explaining the uh 2021 book by Becky Chambers or author Becky Chambers, A Psalm for the Wild Built. So, just doing a quick kind of summary of what this book was about for those who might not have read it or have maybe heard of it but were eager to read it. A Psalm for the Wild Built is a solar punk novella and it was written by sci fi author Becky Chambers, known for many other of her books, uh, in 2021 that views a future earth consumed by nature in which humans have finally chilled out and are living in harmony within the environment. And so the term for earth has actually been lost for centuries. And this is according to the lore that the book sets up in the background um, and is now titled Panga. So that is what earth is referred to, at least if we're looking at earth, it's pretty much alluding to earth, but we don't technically know. Um, and centuries ago, robots gained sentience and began roaming the earth and then they, uh, presumably, after the old world, humans built started crumbling. And now humans live in small communities scattered across Panga, but are all nearish to each other, depending on where they are. And are there, and they are careful not to enter the wild where robots are said to lurk, even though now they become sort of a mythology or legend. It's not no one's really seen one in I think a couple hundred years or something like that. This is all set up in the background for the world that she's built for us to be engaged in. The book is relatively short. It is only 147 pages. So it's super easy to get into. It's very relaxed. And essentially what goes down is the story follows, and essentially the story follows Dex, our main character, who's studying to become a tea monk. And a tea monk is essentially what you think it is. It's a non-religious, well, I guess the, the name kind of throws it off, but it's a non-religious group whose order specializes in creating different tea blends for people who need to take a load off and talk about their problems it's essentially therapy but like with tea and it's fun and it's chill and uh dex wants to set out and become their own person and in doing so decides to take on the task of setting up their own tea wagon uh for for visuals think of a van converted to a home like we saw a lot of people doing around this time but it's powered by like a bike kind of thing and um so that so they they set this up so that they can go out and see the world and help people in need of a de-stressor and also make some super cool tea blends. However, Dex soon finds out that this task is kind of difficult and at first struggles to get their proper footing in the field. And they stumble through awkward dialogues with tea drinkers and often spill or mix up the wrong drink. But that's just in the few, the first few sessions. And afterwards, there's a time skip and Dex has become rather popular amongst towns for their delicious tea and joyous company. They've grown into their own and have found their passion in brewing tea and helping people talk about what's bothering them. They pass through towns, villages, enjoying feasts with people when they can, until at one point they decide to take 
a different route on a beaten path and journey into the wild. And upon doing so, they almost immediately regret it because it's incredibly difficult to take their wagon through this route. And they end up trying to turn around and get stuck in one specific spot. And without really giving too much away, because this is really where the meat of the story takes place, they end up running into a robot who offers aid to them and introduces themselves as Mosscap. So named after the first thing they saw, when, and they are named that, the robot this is, Mosscap, because it's the first thing they saw when they awoke, and there's a whole backstory that goes into this. And so Mosscap is a robot from the old world who, like other robots, lives in the wilds amongst nature and just travels with no real care in the world. Mosscap is not violent or robotic at all, and in fact is at times very human, especially with their philosophical viewpoints. And towards the middle of the novella, the remaining story is flushed out through conversations had between Mosscap and Dex, and these conversations touch on topics of life, death, the old world, what was wrong with the past, how to keep going forward, and above all else, how to live life. And in getting towards the end of the novel, Dex, it, it, it goes without sort of spoiling anything decides to take a journey trying to go towards this building and uh, Dex and Moscap end up having a very interesting heart-to-heart -heart conversation about the old past and what is to come in the future and there's a lot of heart-to-heart -heart things that happen there and I don't really want to get too far into it because I think it's worth reading in that way and mm -hmm. we can and Zan and I can flesh this out even further I think but ultimately this book is very very good for many reasons, at least in my opinion, it touches on a lot of conversation topics that I think have been very forefront in the last five years, especially, but without being too direct in that way either. I also think it's mm -hmm. a great coming-of-age book, even though it's really not a coming-of-age book, in the sense that it shows that, hey, sometimes you're going to try something new, and it's going to be really hard to get into it, but if you keep at it and you practice and you really let your passion come forward, you can end up loving it and it goes really well. So Zan, I know we both found this book around the same point. I'm pretty sure it's because of a TikTok we saw and you read it relatively recently, right? I know I read it back after Christmas in December or mm -hmm, early mm -hmm. January. When, when did you read this again? Um, I was reading this, uh, I think a, maybe, um, maybe, uh, a month or two after you had read it. If you okay. read it in January, maybe I was reading this. In... Yeah, that sounds right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it goes down really, really quick and really easy, but it's a, um, it is a really thought provoking book in a lot of ways. And I think the the thing that's really enjoyable about it is it builds up this world just kind of to set the stage for these conversations between yeah. uh Dex and Mosscap. Um the two of them are you know uh, there there's the obvious Dex Dex's suspicion of Mosscap at first and sort of the 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 horror of meeting a machine wondering if there's some kind of animosity towards humans after uh, the the robots gained sentience and um, and sort of rebelled. Uh, but the thing that was also kind of interesting as they as as you know we we don't get a lot of um, I don't know whether to call this positive future sci-fi or not because I think it feels a little more neutral. Um, but it it definitely paints a future where um, 
where thing, things have changed, some things have been lost, but otherwise humanity seems to have gotten over a lot of other hangups. It's kind of a, uh, you know, people doing what they want to, following their own passions, and society has cut back on certain things, but otherwise people are, it seems like, pretty much able to to live their lives as they see fit, or at least that is what we see from Dex's point of view. Right. But the thing that, you know, is is maybe a little more uh, haunting about it is this idea of... Because Dex is constantly looking for um, some kind of purpose and some kind of uh, way to rationalize their feelings. And meeting this robot that is maybe the most rational thing one could encounter. Right. Uh, you don't really get an answer with what are you supposed to do when nothing is technically wrong, but you don't feel fulfilled. And I, I think setting this in the future and putting it in kind of like this, this post uh, this post anthropocentric world um what what it does is it 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 kind of removes some of the the hang-ups that we we are, see ourselves like struggling with in society now to kind of cut through to maybe a bigger question of being human that like once we solve all of these problems ecological and societal what what are we sort of left with as human beings what right right what makes us different than a robot that lives on a completely different time scale with a completely different priorities from us and you know they, they talk quite a bit about that moscap talks about robots that pretty much spend their days watching uh watching plants grow and they they can do that and they just sort of follow things that they find interesting they have their um ways of rendezvousing and sharing parts and rebuilding themselves uh because if i recall moscap is not like one of the original robots to leave humanity mm -hmm. uh moscap is what they call wild built yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is made from the parts of uh, other robots that have been recycled over and over again. And, you know, that that's sort of how, how the machines have their lifestyle. This isn't really like the the Cylons coming back to attack humanity like in, in battle uh, in uh, right. Battlestar Galactica. Um, and, you know, they go on this journey together and you know, it doesn't, it's not uh, like this action-packed sci-fi adventure. It's kind of this this quiet trip through the woods where they're trying to understand each other and, and Dex sort of can't fully articulate what, what feels empty inside them, no matter uh, what, what they do. And it's, it's sort of a scary thought sometimes. And it's one that I think a lot of media now has a hard time handling because um, 
when when we think of mid-century philosophers that kind of would ask these questions we are and and sometimes correctly so very dismissive of a lot of their thoughts and perspectives because they were kind of blindly gesticulating about human nature from positions of incredible uh, privilege and allowance that a lot of other people didn't have. Mm -hmm. And so we're very, we, we, we don't really have that, that same interest in, you know, what some, some Frenchmen thought were the, the, the necessary drivers of human behavior. And here you have something that is trying to reframe the question in 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 a way that I think fits our sensibilities, but I think I think adds to it a lot more than maybe a, a cynical philosopher might. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's it's just it's interesting trying to uh, uh, look at some science fiction that is very compelling, but is not. Uh, necessarily overly positive or overly negative in its view of what humans will do going forward. I think so, yeah. I mean, I think it offers a lot to the table that can be digested in that way from different audiences as well, and it's not as, like, stressful as I think trying to read, like, a Sartre or, you know, Camus and also just come out depressed a little bit, right? Because it is that same question. It's an existential question, right? It's right, really right. plaguing yeah, the whole g- book. Yeah, because, you know, did you read The Stranger in college or? I did, yeah. Well, not in college. I read it in high school. Um, uh, okay, okay. So you, okay. So so you're one of those high schoolers. Well, I read the book. I liked the book, to be honest. Yeah, I yeah. Actually quite I, I enjoyed did it. too. I did too. I actually, a friend of mine uh, lent it to me. And then I think we, like a year or so later, we ended up um, reading it in class. Yeah, we read um, it in class. I didn't I didn't necessarily have a choice, but I actually <laughs> I actually liked it. You know, I wasn't sure what yes. it was going to be, but. Yes, I, I did too. But, you know, those books have a reputation of, you know, a certain type of person, you know, really identifying with them. Like, yeah. you know, like like Rick and Morty, like Pulp yeah. Fiction, like a lot of these things that um, th- there's just a certain type of, of insufferable person that sometimes really identifies with those things Accurate, and yeah. might might turn people off from them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely different from from something like that. For sure, yeah, and I mean, like, because even I, like, I recently read like the plague by Camus, and there's a similar questioning happening. I actually, I want to say, oh no, I read, I read this book, and then I read the plague in terms of an order, but it's a similar questioning that's happening. But at the same time, the A Song for the Wild Built handles these questions in a lot more of a, I don't even want to say digestible way. I think it's more introspective and chill because of the setting that it's yeah. put in. It's not put in a life and death stakes. It's not something like The Stranger where one can misinterpret <laughs> interpret it and end up being <laughs> a horrible person, even though that's what it's critiquing. Like I think it sets up a very human point of view and very 
relaxed way that I think we can all relate to regardless of mm-hmm. where we're coming from. And because it's set in the future, we don't necessarily have to establish it to like a specific thing because it does, it's, it's completely been yeah. changed. Even the changing of the name of earth and the cities don't really exist anymore. But like, there's a skyscraper yeah. described or there's like a car described, I think, or like these other things that we would be familiar with, but those people are not, but they're describing what they see and we can relate to it or even like different yeah. animals. So like, I know, I, and in, I want to say the halfway point, I started getting confused. I was like, is this earth? Is this not earth? Does it actually matter? Does it not matter? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, you start to really yeah. seek that out. And it's because just a lot of stuff is left unsaid so much more mm-hmm. can be wondered about mm-hmm. it. And I think that's one of the really big strengths here. Yeah. I mean, well, to that point, and I don't think this spoils anything about the plot because mm-hmm. again, all of this is just kind of set dressing. Yeah. But I do believe at the end, Dex says that they live on a moon. Oh, um, really? So oh, maybe you're right. Maybe I, I am wrong. I I took that to mean that earth was kind of a bust and Mm. we had to rebuild nature and society on the moon it's it's ambiguous um gotcha you know because this doesn't even need to necessarily happen in our solar system and also i guess if, if they were on the moon they would like be able to like jump really high uh they could be on a moon though right i mean i didn't even i didn't even think of that Maybe the whole time Dex is just jumping really high. But, I mean, you know, the physics aren't described. Because, we don't know. Yes, yes. You know, when when they fall down uh, that cliff face, mm-hmm. the rocks fall really slowly. Yeah. Oh, true, yeah. Well, because I think mm-hmm. also at the end, aren't they in a... I mean, again, this isn't too much of a spoiler mm-hmm. because it really is just the setting. It's not like... Yeah. The, the plot quite literally is a conversation which I think yes. is also one of the interesting things because it keeps your attention yes. the whole time. But they yeah. end up in like a church or a temple of sorts. That's like a very true. old one. I think yes, that's... But, yes, but I think that... Because let's, let's also talk a little bit about Dex's order. Um, oh, yeah, and, T-Monks. Yeah, but, but also, to me, it seems like you can live in the monastery um, and you don't have to be a T-Monk. Yeah. They're just a, a religious order. Uh, they're polytheistic, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they have all, all of these different gods of, of different um, nature and, and, and all this stuff. But there's... And, and I think there's subtle references to maybe, like, the, the ancient religions. But yeah. when they go to the observatory or whatever at the end, they're, they're looking back at time at something that they recognize as the origins of uh of the, of the religion that Dex now is uh, a part of right and it's hard to tell because again it's 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 ambiguous if they're looking at a structure that we would recognize and those things have just been transformed and uh retranslated for this newer society to a point that we would not immediately recognize them or this this order that dex is a part of is old enough and just has gone through different permutations right exactly yeah and and i think that ambiguity is also part of the world building here too that it keeps Mm -hmm. that 
that questioning in mind, but also it adds again to these questions that are being built throughout the whole book. That is again, like what is, I guess finding that purpose is the big deal and ultimately trying to come to terms with one and that you don't necessarily have to have this big, at least if I, just, if I understood this correctly, you don't have to have this huge purpose always laid down on you. But um, yeah, I mean, I just think that it's the way that the whole environment is crafted through the writing is very engaging. And in a way, I mean, I guess I'm comparing it, it, it is a little a little like Dune in that way, where the world sometimes is just, well, I guess in Dune it was more built, the characters are built around the world, but I think it's kind of similar here to a certain extent where because of the dialogue happening, you can get an idea of how people are interacting in this place, you know, and mm -hmm. what it's like and what is left to happen. And I think... Something I enjoyed a lot about this, and because it's one of my major gripes in sci-fi, this is also subjective because this is a very different opinion depending on what kind of person you are and what kind of, um, what kind of what kind of things you're looking for in science fiction. They really don't care about the technology in this at all. Mm -hmm. Robots exist. Done. Uh, yeah. This wagon, it's powered by a bike. Don't ask me how it works. It does. Okay. <laughs> and it and it works because it's like, it doesn't matter, right? It's just, we just assume it does. Right, and there's solar right. power and people are existing. I think the most that happens are like fights every now and then and it's just pretty chill. Like, you know, like I, I like that that's how the world is built and how it's functioning and that we don't have to spend, yeah. because this book could have been 500 pages of world building, but it doesn't need it. It only needed 50 pages to really mm -hmm. explain to you. And I think that also just shows how talented Becky Chambers is as a writer that she created something so small, literally in terms of page size, but opens up and expands into so much that I think is really yeah, exciting. Yeah. Well, I mean, this has been kind of my, my thing in, in the last few years where I have really resonated with short stories and short story compilations because not not that not that long novels don't don't have a have a place because obviously i like dune i'm mm -hmm. currently you know working my way through moby dick and enjoying it very much mm -hmm. um but there's also you know i i really love short stories and short essays sometimes because it just gives me it's it's a real demonstration of just just giving me something to uh that that doesn't take long to read but stays with me all day and i can quickly establish what the rules of this world are and because it's short i don't have this expectation of learning how every little thing works in this world i mean that's that's kind of like i think a lot of people's gripes sometimes as sci-fi properties go on because like there, there's something like there can be something like dune or star trek where the there, there's enough established specific things that um you can kind of keep adding and it's 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 made it's made in a way that that lets it lets it expand and you you care kind of more about the characters and their motivations and stuff. And then there's stuff that just starts to feel dumber the more and more they explain what's going on in this world. Yeah. And I I don't even know if I want to name names. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's not science fiction, but 
what have we found with with Harry Potter is the more we let J.K. Rowling flesh out the world that she made, the weirder it gets. Yeah, it gets it gets a lot dumber, and yeah, and and it no longer is this this intriguing thing uh, that that you want to explore. There's no longer that that desire. So part of me is like. I want to see more of this world. I want to spend more time in this world, but it's just kind of like, ah, that's all I get. It's almost like I have to, I have to make this world now, mm. uh, you know, like trying to find some, some equilibrium, equilibrium and balance with right. nature, my own life and my ambitions in life. Mm. You know, I, I, I want to, I feel like I have a very distinct memory of reading this book. Uh, uh, and, you know, and I was, th- this is how good it was. I was, um, I was willing to risk getting a headache reading this on a train uh, on my way to work. And I, I, you know, it's a small book too. So I just put it in my jacket pocket and was just sort of thinking about it as I was walking to work. And I, and just sort of considering, like, uh, while Dex is not without their problems, how much I wanted to be in this place where my needs were met, I still was motivated to do things, but I, I would I would I still have the same questions about who I am if I'm a worthwhile person or not? You know, yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, I'm going to my 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 <laughs> part time job trying to pay rent uh, in my my shoebox apartment in Boston at the time and trying to wrap up my master's degree. Right. Uh, right. And and yeah, just what does what how could how could I get there to ask myself that very question? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I, I agree with you in that way, too. And I mean, like, for me, at least, like, I was reading this when I started my teaching position, you know, when I became a professor. And it was like a trans a huge transition for me out of student to teacher role, which is terrifying. And I think that was like one of the huge passages in the beginning of the book that really stuck with me when Dex is struggling to, like, figure it out and really stressing mm-hmm. about it. But it all works out. You know, and then it, because it does in many cases, if you keep at these things that it does, you start to figure it out. It's like playing an instrument, right? Like mm-hmm. you pick up a guitar for the first time, you're going to be terrible unless you're naturally gifted. And I still think you're going to be bad, right? Comparing mm-hmm. to somebody who practices all the time. But as you keep at it, you get better. And I yeah. think a lot of these things, these themes really stay true to even now for us, right? That it's it's a matter of finding purpose, but also purpose can be multiple things it could be nothing it could be everything right Right, it's sort of open-ended it doesn't have to be this huge binary of you will be good at that and that's it yeah you must do it forever but i also think this this opens up a huge other talking point of the past right Mm -hmm. that that the question still existed in the past it's whether or not people had time to write it down is a whole other thing or talk about it but we don't actually know necessarily right i mean how uh, you know that that this could have been thought about you know, hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, constantly. I think it just, I think it very much is a human universal concept of wondering that purpose and meeting needs to be able to discuss it, of course. But at the same right. time, like, yeah, just, just figuring it out. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because we we're 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 not always sure whether to project that what feel like very universal human thoughts on like do you project that on a medieval feudal peasant did did <laughs> they wonder about that and maybe maybe they did 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 sharecroppers think about yep. that you know does you know someone d- does a laborer building the taj mahal think about that uh you know they're the the great wall of china you know the the people not living in the palaces reading poetry and historical epics like what what when when your needs are met uh what what are you kind of left with in that sense i guess we're we're in this position you and i even though I, we're, we're a little different in age you and i are kind of part of part of an ilk of people that you know we uh i think want to figure out what will what will we be able to do that won't drive <laughs> us crazy that we'll be able to support ourselves yeah um yeah. we uh i think like a lot of other people that are in the arts and have gone to school for art are very knowledgeable about a lot of things in the world, but there's such an anxiety about being too pigeonholed into any one thing. And there's uh, so much, uh, so much that we look at through art and through looking at history of people that realize they've made a mistake and they've spent all this time on something that was misguided. And so now you are afraid of ever committing to anything and i think you see dex reckon with that you know even though this is in the future i think this is something that people our age can also uh recognize in themselves is the i don't know i i and maybe this is me projecting myself onto dex was the idea that I don't know. It sounds like kind of being a future monk is kind of a a, a non-committal decision. Dex is kind of floundering between things that they're passionate about mm-hmm. and trying to find something that makes them feel fulfilled. And clearly, money is not the issue. It's right. Is, I don't. I don't think this society. There. If this. If this society has. Uh, currency or capital it is not mentioned so I, and i think with the way the world is described we are to assume we're at the very least maybe post-capitalist yeah um and and dex feels so guilty even you know trying to use something from nature in a in a one in a a one directional way um but what I I think that speaks to other people finding themselves in the world right now where you don't want to do harm. You don't want to involve yourself, ingratiate yourself too heavily, and yet you feel utterly alone and you're almost kind of jealous of people that just, right or wrong, bury themselves in in some sort of purpose or movement and you just feel like you're sitting on the sidelines of other people living their lives 
Um, and at, at least from my perspective, I, I saw that and maybe, maybe you see it from, maybe other people, yourself included, see it from a slightly different angle, but I, I kind of got that, that idea of like, even, even though I am passionate about art, I sometimes have the feeling that, oh, I kind of chose a very non-committal area of study uh, because it lets me explore a lot of different things. But now here I am feeling like I never committed to anything. Yeah, I, 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 I see your perspective on this for sure. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And it's a really good point that you're raising because I think I I think it's true that it is this very non-committal path right and for Dex being a tea monk but also being an artist in that way and I and I know for a fact that like at least for me I definitely chose it for that reason unconsciously but at the same time I can't commit to anything so it kind of worked out (laughs) like everything comes with consequence I'm finding right like that I, I, I often would find myself like wishing that I could just be good at something specific like right. carpentry or like, I don't know, fixing electronics or coding or something like very niche that it's like you right. could do that one thing, which means you can always get hired to do that one thing. And it's very convenient because you'll never not work. But I know deep down that I'll never be fulfilled in that because I always have to do a million things. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it falls apart, whether it's music or it's art or it's reading about history or reading books in general has been my next passion or you know, I, I don't know, like, what the next one will be. Maybe I'll get into fishing, or maybe I'll like poetry, right? Like, just these random different things that might pop up, but it's that ability mm-hmm. to allow things to come in and out and express myself through them and then move on to the next thing, always learning from it, is so nice. And I'm starting to feel a bit more comfortable in that decision-making when I hear a lot of other, either whether they be artists or creatives, but also just, like, regular, you know, people with nine-to-five jobs who have just done other careers Mm-hmm. just moving on to the next thing in their 30s and their 50s you know just always switching it up and taking on different projects and just doing that for life and making it work and finding some solace in that and yeah. for me that's comforting because it's like oh we don't have to just work one thing forever you don't have to do that and i feel like it's almost a this is just totally my perspective on it but it does feel like a little bit of a false sense of comfort because in a world where you you are told to do one thing because you can fit into a system that wants you to do one thing and just be good at it so we can make things. It's There's obviously going to be people who don't fit into that category and who are allowed to not have to fit into that category either, I should say that. Because I think you and I both, being artists, I don't think we can fully support ourselves on our art at the moment, just making paintings or drawings or, or, or videos or anything, right? Like, we we... I think have to do other things to make money. Right. But at the we, same we time, did, we did. We didn't even have the willpower to be like committed to you know drawing personas for people. Yeah, I can't. I, I one day I really, uh, I'm gonna have to do it at some point maybe. But <laughs> it's good money. Honestly, it's good money. I be, but but it's it's the same thing. Like I don't think I could even do it just out of the sake of like I feel like that right. would be the same for a nine to five job for me, right? But right. like, well, like in okay. So here's a question. Sure. And maybe this goes beyond what the book is kind of going for but um because we're 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 kind of now in this point where um i think conversation about mental health now is very different than it was even i think 10 years ago 
where 100%. people people talk about it a lot more openly, which is uh, on on the whole a good thing. Um, one thing that has kind of been a consequence of that is people pathologizing now kind of every problem they have, which again isn't yeah in- inherently bad, but also it gives people I think an idea that if I have a name for the issue, then I can uh, I-, I I like it-, it feels safer, you know, to 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 be able to put a put a label on something. And then here you have uh, Dex, who I, I don't think we've mentioned this yet, but Dex, you know, does not have pronouns mm-hmm. uh, or gender, you know, um, uh, or is or were meant to read as non-binary. It doesn't sure. really go into right. it. Um, and, you know, then meets this robot that wants to be referred to as it, you know, not even. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. That that Mo- Moscap doesn't doesn't even want uh that that suggestion of humanity moscap you know wants to be treated as a sentient being but wants to make it very clear that uh moscap is not human um and so you're in in a in in a different type of story or in, in a different type of time or something you're reading this and wondering if you're meant to interpret a kind of anxiety or depression in Mm. Dex. And one of the things that I think, at least in the last year, people have been talking more about is rather than, you know, because I think everybody was sort of coming forward being like, I'm depressed. I have symptoms of depression. I have symptoms of depression. I mean, in the last couple of years or maybe a bad example because it seems like there was a uh, a, gl- a couple of global reasons <laughs> yeah. to uh to <laughs> feel depressed definitely enforces um, it but right but that itself becoming an identity beyond that that almost eclipses you as a person and i think now there's a bit more interest in um and I, I want to be very careful talking about this because I understand like there it is it is uh, a real medical issue and that you know you there is there is a a uh, uh, a, a a chemical uh, real uh, I- imbalance in in the brain sometimes, but maybe looking at the circumstances that so many young people find themselves in where there's really uh there there is there is a certain level of not completely unfounded hopelessness to everything that that we sometimes just don't feel like going on and uh it's it's the more nuanced thing of like have you tried not being depressed you know like not 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 going like as as hyperbolically insensitive as that but also like well what are what are the things that are lacking in our in our lives that make us dwell on this so much and there's the annoying people that are like all you need to do is exercise and eat healthy and you'll stop being depressed and those people are insufferable in a lot of cases but the the, the grain of truth in that is uh if you 
find some sort of purpose in the regularity of life and you do things to take care of yourself, you can help yourself. You know, it's not any, it's not any one thing that's going to make you feel better. It is the holistic environment that we find ourselves in. You know, it's, it's, it's living in a, in a world where we all wake up to very depressing news on our phones every day, but it is also, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people do struggle getting healthy food. Uh, a lot of people do not have lifestyles that let them uh, take care of themselves, you know, because they're just trying to get by. Um, so it is, it is all, it is all of these things, and we are to presume Dex has access to all of that, and yet we still can all recognize the potential to still not feel satisfied in life mm-hmm. in 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 their character's struggle yeah no absolutely i mean there might be a bit of that in there for sure and i definitely think that they're anxious that they have anxiety or and not to like diagnose them with the d5 or something right because right. i hate when people do that and it's obnoxious but like uh-huh. i don't know i mean as somebody that has a lot of anxiety and spouts of depression, I think it's like it 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 really depends in many cases how I think one wants to come about handling it, but also dealing with it in that way because I think it's different for everybody, and I think there's also levels of it that are in everybody, just mm-hmm. not as much, right? And I think that here yeah. there's just these anxieties of what do I do now, right? What what do I do? How do I handle this? And this is like a fear of 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 being, I think worthwhile and having a purpose and maybe that's specific to decks or specific to some people and not others you know it's all perception right it all is going to change and i know like like for me that's a very identifiable fear 100 percent. and i'm like oh yeah i've been there like this is me constantly every other day but also i think you're right 100 percent that there's a there's a lot of that that comes out of what we have to deal with every single moment and we don't live Mm -hmm. in a we don't live in a world where we're quiet anymore i mean partially this is a good thing and partially this is a bad thing where when you have access to information 24 7 what kind of information Mm -hmm. are you receiving and what's it doing to you and it doesn't necessarily mean we have to just go silent turn off our phones and walk into the forest and never come back although that would be quite nice i do think that (laughs) it's it's like it's just so many factors that come into play here and i do think that the identifying factor can be positive and it can be very negative we've seen 2010 to 2015 tumblr and what that did to romanticize depression and anxiety and i don't think that helped necessarily right i think it just made Mm -hmm. it it enables certain mental health things to be taken almost less seriously and but but also i think normalized too i'm very back and forth on this as you can see but i I think that (laughs) like yeah even now i mean how many how many therapists are on tiktok diagnosing people Right. And saying, oh, if you have these symptoms or if you show this, you might have depression or you might be, you know, anxious. And it's like, okay, but I have some of those. Am I this or am I that or what am I? I don't know. And there's just this need to constantly identify. And I'm also starting to wonder if that's, you know, looking at this in a cultural perspective, too, Mm -hmm. is this an American thing? Are we very specific with labels just in America or is this a global thing? Because I also don't want to 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 just put like this universal feeling on everybody because it might not be it might also have i think the purpose thing might be but i don't know about like 
all these others. I, I don't know. I have a lot of questions, but I think we all do yeah. to a certain fact. And I think the thing with this book that made me feel so comfortable reading it mm-hmm. is that these questions exist and I'm not the only mm-hmm. one that thinks about it, that there are that this author clearly was thinking about it, that there are people who read this book that are clearly thinking about it. And given its reviews have, have also felt something similar. And I think that there is a, uh, there's a bit of that universal feeling that does exist in the world. And for me, that makes it, it's like I can take a breath for a moment and say, yeah, oh, okay. I'm not alone on that. It does. Not... It does. It does feel like that. Mm-hmm. It's, exactly and i think that's yeah oh yeah go ahead go ahead oh no i was what when you find something that you feel like someone finally articulates in a way it is such a such a relief like yeah just like what you just said that you're not alone in having Mm -hmm. this thought and what i'm always trying to find is something some kind of value or system that I can hang my hat on and say, this is what, uh, this is what I believe. This is what I identify with. And more often than not, when I try to do something like that, you know, I am disappointed or, or turned off by, by something that seems like it wants to lull me into some type of complacency. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Like, for sure. I, I feel like whenever someone says something that's almost too common sense, the next words out of their mouth are something that like, so don't worry. And it's like, well, I'd like to, ch- I, I, I want to not worry as much as I do, but also I want to be challenged. And yeah. I, I never want to be lulled into not um, pursuing learning more and bettering myself and, and, and not just turning away when there's something that you know uh, that that really uh, offends what I what I see is uh, you know making the world a better place mm-hmm. and and it's it's really hard to to find something like that and again maybe this is just the hints of everything in the book that like lets us project this onto that on on onto that story and this character. Um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a good book for, for many reasons, but I think because again, with, with that, that non-specificity lets it be more open to interpretation, more, yeah. uh, more, more, more universal because it does not, uh, get into that. The, the specificities that we get are just sort of set dressings to this world, like the little pocket computer that dex carries around and you know we sort of can envision it as a smartphone type device a portable computer um but it's something that uh dex makes clear is meant to last a lifetime you know it's not the disposable uh technology of our own era that it's it's something that you are always meant to carry with you yeah, and I think that's also one of the hints at that post-capitalist society that these things can be done and then it's like, and this is how we're going to vision it, you know? And these people seem to be having a good time, but at the same time, not without quarrels or issues either. And I yeah. think that humanizes it because it's easy to just imagine something and it all being perfect, but I think that takes a bit of the realism out of it. 
at least from what we've seen. But yeah, I, you I, know. I want I want a future where, you know, there's no more no more war and racism and sexism and homophobia. But I also still want a future where Florentines uh, <laughs> gather and uh, play extremely dangerous rugby with each other once yeah, a year. Just for tradition. You know? And they get a beer after. Yes. Oh yeah. And they, they all look at the cow and then they all go home. <laughs> all... Um, but, yeah. you know, they, they just they had that one afternoon where they beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's that that's the thing where we we want to figure out this this middle ground of humanity where we're these cooperative creatures that can that can work together and yet our other impulses put us at odds with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, has to do with the the greed of uh you know really like a handful of global individuals from from different countries that just want to make money um mm-hmm. but the but there are real uh other real systemic uh issues that 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 keep putting us at heads with each other one question i guess i have for a work like this is do we need to do we need to lean into our media in general being more positive like this because there's a school of thought that I go back and forth on a lot because I obviously I don't believe in satanic panic bs and I don't I don't believe that you know heavy metal music makes you evil or watching horror movies makes you evil. Um, but it, there's maybe something to be said about the fetishization of uh, violence and uh, and dystopia in really the last two generations of media, that nothing is overly positive that we have kind of manifested our own dystopia because of that. And the the difference being um, those those artists coming, artists and authors coming out of that generation grew up with a society that on the surface was uh, monolithic, everything was great, you had you you had you had this idea that there there is a formula you follow and you are a successful person right um and you had a couple generations of artists bringing up that there there is something darker beneath this veneer um and that was an important thing for those artists what weirdly happened though is that's kind of the only way we see our future and you know kind of with the way we are right now we're we're handmaid's tale isn't far-fetched yeah uh, currently in our own country uh yep it's not not that it ever particularly was but you know it's it's just now it it seems it seems so much closer and it seems like the type of thing we're almost just going to let happen because we've been conditioned for it to happen uh 
like, is it, are, are, I, I don't want to believe that humanity is so simple that, uh, all well, we just need to be super positive, like we were in the forties and fifties, and then everything will fix itself because we're expecting things to get better because we're unfounding unfoundedly optimistic. Mm. And I think people are more complicated than that, and issues are more complicated than that. But is there something to be said about trying to? balance out how negative we've become in our science fiction i think so i think so with nuance for sure because i think you don't this book does a very good job of not doing this but i don't think you want to be romanticized false positivity either without recognition of like legitimate problems and like things that could easily be like our future like hands handmaid's tale you know like that is very much close to happening and it's terrifying mm -hmm. and it's very real and scary and i think that there's a there's this there's definitely people out there that are you know just telling us to go you know do this and it's all going to be totally fine even though that's not <laughs> a great promise right it's and and you see that happening in other stories and i think that's um that's a positivity you don't want but i think that something form of media or a form of media that can visualize the world going a certain direction and things working out creates an idea that we can start to cater to without constantly having to have an apocalypse happen because think of how many nuclear apocalypse media like be it games or movies or tv shows we have that have all gone the same direction and it just creates a sense of hopelessness and i think like one, one good example of this both show and book both are very good um was like station of Eleven that goes in an opposite direction from that even though uh it wasn't necessarily positive right that okay so like right. for just to compare real quickly just to you know throw in a whole new book to our book club but and we'll talk <laughs> we'll have to talk about this at some other point more specifically but you know station 11 written by um emily st john mendel um you know, it came out in like 2014, I want to say, but it became really popular during quarantine because it reflected so accurately what was going on. But right. that proposed a more worst case situation. But what it does is it jumps forward and backwards towards time throughout the whole book to really focus on these characters that a pandemic becomes almost like a it's a state it's a state in the play. It's sort of a prop to be expanded on. But really, it's the interaction that we have as humans and also how art creativity, community, healing, things like that. But also, you know, what will come forward that we can still do this mm -hmm. even in the face of a danger that society can continue. Um, and it has much more of a positive output while still having some terror, you know, terrifying things happen. And also yeah. her recent book, Sea of Tranquility, is even more, you know, interesting in that way where these pand pandemics happen, bad things happen on Earth, but then humanity keeps going forward, keeps trudging forward, and you know, we get to the moon, but it's not just, it's not this, you know, fascist version of it where, you know, it's, it's like cyberpunk. It's actually more positive in that way. And it's using right. technology to better things rather than poison yeah. them. And I think that like, you know, this is also might be me because I've just consumed a lot of post-apocalyptic media in the last two <laughs> months, but between playing, between reading her books and also playing the last of us series, which I've never played before. And 
ultimately liking them, but also being very depressed because they're very <laughs> dark in that way. But I think also even that was very interesting compared to, I mean, it, it paints the picture of a world where people are just the worst. And I think to a certain degree we can relate to that. But that's what I think I feel like I'm always missing where, and I think this is also why people didn't like the last game, where there is that humanity that breaks through every now and then. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the thing to focus on. So this is my long-winded way of saying that I think we do need, I think this book brings that to the table where it has yeah. this more in this more positive outlook without being that false positivity where it's saying, hey, we can imagine a post-capitalist world out of this situation where we still have to deal with problems we still have to deal with these issues and it doesn't do the thing where we do escapist fantasy or sci-fi mm -hmm. not that there's anything wrong with that but where it ignores those problems in favor of a different world entirely with its own set of problems yeah. that we can escape yeah. into right right it, it, it imagines the end of our society and the beginning of a new one exactly like the, 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 the fall of the roman empire where people didn't just stop living there yeah you know, exactly or, they they still it, were there it, it, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah it, it sort of morphs into something else i think another i mean there's it depends on whether or not you consider like something like Demolition Man a dystopia or not. I guess that's because, true. Because that's one way that I think maybe people on the more conservative end see like the, the apocalypse or something like that will have this. Yes, we'll all be better and we'll get rid of crime, but everybody's everything just so sanitized. Everybody's lost their humanity because they've. Um, because they've all decided to conform uh, to to very strict rules, and I, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, this this existed in a t that that movie exists in a time I think kind of before uh, what we would think of as cancel culture or whatever the well, yeah. Republicans would be complaining about, or you know, just like comedians can't say whatever they want anymore. Um, it but then you have at the uh, end uh uh sylvester stallone being like i don't know maybe like halfway between you guys and halfway between you guys you figure it out in the middle you know and, and everyone's like you're right sylvester stallone that's not that's not <laughs> what happens but yeah um but that 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 that's that that's an argument that somewhere between sanitized conformity and complete disregard for anyone other than yourself somewhere between there we would find human nature mm -hmm. uh and and may maybe just in in the broad spectrum of humanity maybe there is just some mean humankind some average averaging out of of collective collective behavior mm -hmm. that you can strive for um i still don't know what the three seashells are for no and it haunts me every day since i've seen that movie and <laughs> well, i can look it up and i just haven't because i don't want to know but, but i want to know as as someone from florida i would not think it was that weird i guess to walk into a uh into a bathroom and there being three uh decorative seashells there right. because decoration my 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 mom has a whole basket of seashells in uh, her bathroom at her house. Uh, right. There's even, you know, there's a there's a uh, a like dried out 
uh, jaw of a lemon shark hanging there. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Some very, seahorses. Yeah, it's very ocean, ocean theme, sea theme. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's I nice. would, I would still wonder where the toilet paper was. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely don't want to have to use the three seashells. But yeah, I, I think, I think, I hope you're right. Let me say that. I hope, I hope so that there is this mean that we can find in the future. But I do think that, like, at least for me, like in reading books, and I think this is also a really good mean in between mm-hmm. this is that this book is not young adult fiction but it's also yeah. not super complex and dark yeah. and gritty which we would assume adult fiction is it fits in the middle and i think that that's a really yeah. good thing here because i think it's accessible for many age groups especially even in high school this could be a good book to read because i think you know my, when you were talking about like media that can be like very negative in that way i also think that that's my big thing that happens with like no, and this is not a, a dig at young adult novels, but let's be honest, some of them are not that good. And also very, you know, it's it's just like, what do, what do we get out of that? And maybe that's just me because right. I'm not getting my needs met. But yeah. some of the messages in those can be kind of weird, too, in terms of how we view the future. I mean, what was the, what was the one that I read? Um, Divergent? What was up with that? That was a weird book. I read that very quickly I, and I, I kind of regret di- it. But I never read Divergent. It's fine. Uh, it's from what I whatever. understood, it was like it was like almost template. Yeah, they're all the same. Dystopia. Yeah, they're all but, the same. It's, it becomes but, the same. But but then there's something like I'm. I know this is not a popular opinion, but I kind of like the ending of The Hunger Games only because I feel like. I don't know. It felt it felt very true and grounded to what mm-hmm. uh, some sort of uh, societal overthrow revolution might actually feel like, where everyone is morally compromised, um, and you you are once once you've kind of been used for those purposes. Uh, people are just sort of expected to go on with their lives and no, no matter how uh, broken. And I, and, and I think surviving something like that, surviving some huge cultural upset and just being, and just being uh, expected to kind of carry on. I feel like that's something humanity has kind of had to go through multiple times you know that i agree yeah there there will be something truly disastrous and then eventually things just kind of settle back into being boring and maybe maybe there was some marginal improvement but uh for 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 a lot of people it's it it's kind of like almost it's it's the falling action the falling action of that story is just the rest of your life. Hmm. Yeah. 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 That's a good. I, I, I definitely agree. I think. I mean, mm-hmm. I never I never read them, but I did see the movies. Uh, The last right. one. I, I read two of the Hunger Games. Yeah. Books, so maybe I, I'm I missing mean, a I, bit of that. But they I know they have to rush through at the end because uh, especially as uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman died, I think. Yes. I don't know. I, don't yeah, know. That I think problems. that's why. Yeah, the ending is them reading a letter from him. Right. Um, I've been I've been recently wanting to rewatch uh, 
the master too. Oh my uh, God. That well. movie is so, I also, watched that with my parents yeah. and I regret it so much because I had to oh, explain God. it to them. And I was like, I don't know if I'm capable of doing Oh no, I, I watched the master with my mom. And, I mean, speaking of 50s <laughs> sci-fi, God. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, but yeah, the, I, I don't know, at least, at least mm-hmm. in the book. And I think it is accomplished somewhat in the movie. Like, yeah. I don't know that that felt like something real to me and yeah, you know, yeah. An otherwise pretty fantastical set of movies that now we feel <laughs> creeping closer to our own reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I think that's why this this book for sure, the song for the wild built has gotten added to probably my best book of all time list that I've read mm. recently. Um I don't know. I think it just avoids some of those trappings, but it offers something new. And that's... Yes. That's, I think, the thing to come out of it with, is that you will read it and you'll learn something new. Maybe you'll like it, maybe you won't. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think it offers a different... It's just a different type of book. that I And it's not long, which is quite nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's literally it's, comforting yeah, to its I, size. I, I hate that that is a selling point in one sense, but in another, I feel like you just get a few sittings mm-hmm. to live with this to yeah. live with this book um so and i and i think that's worthwhile and also not in a like anti-intellectual way but i do wish there were kind of more mm-hmm. uh uh authors willing to attempt something like that where yeah you you have you have something like this that can get your idea across and can kind of have an efficiency of your sure. words like i i think the length of a book is is part of uh is part of it as an art form 100 percent, 100 percent. well yeah. i mean we will be able to get some extra though from this book because now the second one comes out july 12th a prayer for the crown shy what there's uh, another one there's another there's a sequel <gasps> yeah i'm very oh excited i totally forgot oh and i'm then so I excited i'm getting yeah. i'm getting this oh, my oh God. same and, no i i'm so gonna be- wait Mm-hmm. Th- this is this is going so this is coming out in a few days from when yeah. people are hearing this yeah wow okay yeah. So, so, we're, so we're topical so, <laughs> so tomorrow go buy this book read it on yeah. monday and then on tuesday go get the new one yeah go get the new one it's i mean you could literally read them in a day so i i definitely plan on doing it i'm gonna take a break from my brilliant friend uh the quartet the napolitan quartet to probably read this mm-hmm. and then go back to my saga that's very good um, oh yes, yes. We'll talk about those at some other points. I'll, I'll take I'll take a break from Moby Dick. I do think uh at some point we'll have to talk about it because I'm, I'm really it, enjoying yeah. it and uh it will it will have to factor into an exhibition somehow, either sure. on whales, whaling, or just Moby Dick itself. Yeah. No, we we definitely will. I'll have to read it or listen to it and just like do that. It's mm-hmm. on my list of things to do, but Yes, and it is also a book that you can listen to for free because oh. uh, Phoebe Judge, the uh, the very famous true crime podcaster, uh, has an entire podcast of her just reading it. So you can there get you a free, very soothing audiobook. I know there's a lot of fans of her voice out there. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's yeah. probably how I'm going to do it as well. That's a very good idea. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So... This was a great conversation. I think so, um, yeah. So, uh, what have what have you got going on outside of the museum, Joe? 
Well, I just released an album on July 1st, my first ever titled Biomes, which is streaming pretty much everywhere, Spotify, Apple Music, and also on Bandcamp, available to download for free. So check that out. Thank you, everybody who's been listening to it and giving me such wonderful feedback and comments. I truly appreciate all of you um, and all of your words and kind words. It's, It's really meant a lot. I have my uh, artwork still up at the St. Kate's Art Hotel um, airspace. It's my solo show, Ephemeral Existence, When Light Takes Form. So if you're in that area, it's in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So check that out. And also in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, September 9th will be uh, the group show that I'm a part of called Teleportal Presents Movement. So feel free to check that out as well. And that'll be through October, or at least the end of October, I believe. Um, and I also have recently found out that my film, When Light Takes Form, is going to be, I think, streaming online for the Golden Giraffe International Film Festival. So hoping that can win something to go on to stream. So yeah, got a lot going on all of a sudden. There's a lot of stuff happening, but, uh, it's been, it's been good. A lot of, a lot of things happening. Golden Giraffe. Golden Giraffe. Seems pretty cool. So, so when Moses, when Moses came down and (laughs) smashed the golden calf. Right. They missed the golden giraffe, it seems. Oh, it's so the golden giraffe. So, so that one's still cool to worship. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, there's probably a Veggie Tale episode like that somewhere. Um, probably. But anyways, that's what's going on with me. How about you, Zam? What do you got going on? Um. So I have a couple of corrections. I think from last time. Uh. But. Uh. Thank you. At this point. Uh. I believe tomorrow. Uh, I will be playing at 82 Barbecue in Hudson Valley. So if you'd like to come and hear some music, I'll be playing then and there. Uh, very excited. This is going to be my first gig in a in, in, a, in maybe a couple of years. Whoa, <laughs> so, super exciting. Yeah, it'll be really fun. Um, let's see what else is going on. So uh, my correction. Uh, I had a couple of wires get crossed in my brain last week. Uh, I definitely referred to a jaguar at some point when I meant leopard, which is unforgivable, I know. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, And also, uh, the the school I will be teaching a workshop at is the John C. Campbell uh, Mm. school in Brasstown, North Carolina, not Joseph C. Campbell, which I, I this school That's has close. nothing to do with famed author and Joseph. professor Joseph Campbell. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I apologize for that, but I am still very excited to be teaching a workshop there. That catalog should be out soon. So keep your eye out. There's going to be uh, just 12 spots, it sounds like. And I'll be teaching uh, some uh, painting workshops, uh, in early August of 2023, be on the lookout for those official dates and everything. Nice, 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 nice. Yeah. And, uh, nothing else, uh, official to announce about, uh, my work other than the, uh, paintings and things that I have listed on my website. Again, uh, the work that's sold there, I'll be donating portions to Planned Parenthood, uh, back home in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, and I believe that is kind of all I have to announce, but there are other cool things on the horizon. Exciting. Exciting. Very cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. 
If you want to keep in touch with the museum after hours, you can follow us at Uncanny Museum on Twitter and at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. Interact with us, comment, give us suggestions, message us, give us corrections, like Crikey It's Christian did, where he <laughs> told me, actually, we have recently found some concrete evidence for the American cheetah. Thank you, Christian. Uh, <laughs> Our true real one. For tell, telling me I was wrong. <laughs> Um, and, uh, no, I, I, we do, we do we really appreciate, appreciate it. And we always invite, uh, real experts to, uh, interact with us, uh, on any platforms. If you were able to get through, uh, our exhibits, uh, with my occasional slip of the tongue, uh, we would really appreciate some, uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes or wherever you're listening to podcasts. If you would like to find me, I am at Xanasaurus on Instagram. And I'm at Justamino Art on Instagram. And from the Uncanny County Museum, I have been Zan Peters. And I've been Joe Samino. Bye.